This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back out of his seat. To the track. To the wall. It's gone! Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center. And he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning. Welcome to our show. Today from the Rays Radio Studio across from Gate 1 as the Rays gets it to wrap up a series in short homestand against the A's. This week, you're going to hear from third base coach Charlie Montoya about a Hall of Fame he's about to enter. Matt Andrees will look back at his Mother's Day performance on the mound. We'll hear from several X-Rays, update Tampa Bay's minor league system, and also chat with Susan Slusser of the San Francisco Chronicle about the AL West. First, we look at highlights from the week gone by. Now, Sunday, the Rays were trying to sweep the Angels. Matt Andrees, we'll hear from later, pitched in front of his mom, Lynn, for the first time in a major league game, and it came on Mother's Day. Brad Miller put Andrees and the Rays in front to stay. Middle infielders are back in the first pitch. DeMiller is driven in the air to right field and deep. Calhoun turns around and it is gone! Brad Miller with his fourth home run of the year lifts one over the tall wall in right and he gives the Rays a 2-1 to one lead here in the third. Andrees went seven. Kurt Casale homered as well as the Rays moved over 500 for the first time in 2016 with a 3-1 victory. Now, Monday, the Rays visited Seattle, which leads the AL West. Matt Moore got knocked out in the fifth after the Rays gave him a lead against Felix Hernandez, and Seattle then answered in the sixth. Marte swinging, and he lines it deep in the air to right center field. Way back, Souza toward the track, to the wall, gone. A three-run homer just beyond the 380 sign, and on one pitch, Seattle has a three-run lead at 5-2. And Seattle cruised from there behind a four-hit night from Cattell Marte, beat Tampa Bay by that 5-2 score. Now, Tuesday, the Rays hit three homers, but none of them came with runners on base. In contrast, the Mariners came through with runners on. A ball and two strikes to count. Runners again lead at first and second of the pitch. Here's a swing and a fly ball to right field and deep. Steven Souza Jr. going back, and it's gone. Deho Lee got his arms extended. And lifted one over the wall in right field, an opposite field home run, a three-run shot at that, and it's 6-2 to two Seattle. That homer turned out to be too much to overcome. The race had the tying or go-ahead runs on base the last three innings in what eventually was a 6-4 defeat. Now, Wednesday, the Rays were in salvage mode. Chris Archer gave up four early runs, but Tampa Bay found a way to answer. So with the bases full, here's the first pitch to Dickerson. A breaking ball lifted in the air. Left center field and deep. Martin back. It is gone. A slam for Corey Dickerson. And just like that, the Rays have tied the game here in the sixth inning. And that was Corey Dickerson's first major league grand slam. Kevin Kiermeyer then homered in the ninth to keep the game tied at five. But the Rays couldn't get that clutch hit to get over the hump 
and Seattle beat the Rays with the homer. Right-hander sets and now kicks and deals. There's a swing and a high fly ball to center field. Kiermaier going back at the wall, and the Mariners win. Chris Iannetta took a 3-2 pitch and lifted it over the wall in right central. And he gives Seattle a 6-5 win in 11 innings and a sweep of the series against the Rays. A third straight defeat wrapped up a 3-3 three three road trip for Tampa Bay. Now Thursday, the Rays were off before beginning a weekend series at home against the A's Friday. And for the third straight game, a Rays starter put the team behind the eight ball in the very first inning. Now the payoff pitch, fly ball to deep left field, way up into the rings. This one's on its way, and it hit the C-ring, comes back onto the field. That's a home run. It hit the C-ring and straightaway left. It's a home run for Valencia, 4-0 Oakland in the first. Jake Odorizzi gave up four in a 42-pitch first. It was too much for the Rays to overcome as Tampa Bay dropped its fourth in a row, 6-3, to the A's. And then yesterday, after four consecutive starts of five innings or fewer from the starter, it was the least experienced member of the rotation who got the Rays back on track. Andres ready to go. The 2-2 pitch on its way. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. And Ed Andres with his first big league complete game shutout. Passes along high fives with his catcher, Hank Conger. And the Rays win. They beat the Oakland Athletics by a score of 6 to nothing. So Andres with a complete game, two-hit shutout. It was the Rays' first starter to throw a complete game shutout at home in nearly three seasons. And we'll hear from Andres a little bit later on. The Rays have your back, by the way, when facing down the summer heat. On Saturday, May 28th, when the Rays host the Yankees, take home a Rays backpack cooler presented by Pepsi. While supplies last, call 888-FAN-RAYS or visit RaysBaseball.com today. Rays up. Coming up on this week in Rays Baseball, my sit-down with Rays third base coach Charlie Montoyo on going into a second Hall of Fame within a year. Find out why and the how and where's after this on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on this week in Rays Baseball, and our featured guest this week is a guy who's going into a Hall of Fame next week. That's the Rays third base coach Charlie Montoyo. Charlie, first of all, congratulations. You're going into the International League Hall of Fame. Yeah, Neil, that's pretty exciting. Uh, you know, I remember uh, this offseason when Randy Mobley and Mike Berlin called me to give me the news that I was going to be in the Hall of Fame. And my first thought was, you know, great, I'm going to get back to Durham and I'm going to thank the people for the support, their front office, everybody that was great to us there. So I, I'm very excited about it. Randy Mobley, of course, is the league president and Mike Berling, the general manager of the Durham Bulls. And Durham really was like a, almost a second home to you over the last several years. Yeah, I mean, it's just a beautiful area. Like I always told my players, if you're going to be in the Mount Leagues, Durham is just a great place to be in. And it doesn't get any better than Durham. The fans, the ballpark, you know, the area, it's just a great place to play. This is actually the second Hall of Fame that you're going into. Within a year, you went into the Hall of Fame of your alma mater, Louisiana Tech University, as well. What was that experience like since you've done it already? Yeah, I mean, that was awesome because like 10 10 to 15 to my teammates flew down to for that and that was that meant a lot to me and and you know and to be in the hall of fame of my school where I, where I play it, it was it was a great feeling walk me back several years how did you end up at louisiana tech i mean you you grew up in puerto rico um you come to the states and how did you end up picking going to louisiana tech 
Yeah, this stockbroker from California, his name is Don Otterman. He had a he had a, a scholarship to give to Latin players, you know, to come to the states, get a get an education, and then sign professional baseball. You know, he, he guys like Moses Alou and uh, Bautista, guys like that were part of that of that scholarship. So I went to California my first year so I can learn the language, take ESL classes, and then when I got the language a little bit down, then uh, I got recruited by Luciana Tech, and and the rest is history. I was there for three years and had some some good years down there. How big was that challenge, though, socially? You know, we always talk about uh, the cultural uh, opportunity and how different it is to come from, let's say, the Dominican or Venezuela, uh, coming from Puerto Rico and really not knowing a ton of English and having to learn basically while in college could not have been easy. No, I mean, imagine your coach picking you up at the airport, you know, uh, thousands and thousands of miles away from Puerto Rico. He's picking me up, and I have no idea what he's telling me. So, yeah, I mean, it was tough. And But the only way to learn a language, if I could tell people that, is just to be with people that doesn't speak your language. Because if you find people that speak Spanish, then you're always going to be talking Spanish. But I surrounded myself around English-speaking people, and that's how I learned the language. And I would guess the same goes for someone who's going to have to play ball, whether it's in Japan or goes to play winter ball for the first time and, and doesn't know enough Spanish. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you, 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 you got to try hard and do your best, but I mean, it, it was fun. I had great people take care of me, and, and I had a great time. Now, at Louisiana Tech, you went into a Hall of Fame that includes two pretty good athletes, uh, Carl the Mailman Malone and Terry Bradshaw. Uh, who did you enjoy watching or did you watch at all uh, when they were playing, and who do you admire more? Well, the Terry Bradshaw one is like, that's a good trivia question, you know, where the Terry Bradshaw went to school, so uh, I always use that one. But Carl Malone, he was there when I was there, so it was fun watching him playing playing basketball. He was very good, and, and also Teresa Witherspoon was there, and she was a good basketball player too. It's a pretty good Hall of Fame to be in. I mean, you think Louisiana Tech University, it probably doesn't roll off the tip of the tongue, but to, to be in that spot is, is pretty neat. You know, to go back to the fact that you're going into the International League, Hall of Fame. And again, we're talking with race third base coach and former Durham manager Charlie Montoyo. Tell me what some of the greatest moments you had there as a manager were. You know, just so, so many good people, so many good players, you know, from David Price to Longoria, you know, people like, like yourself, you know, we after every game we talk baseball before the games, you know, Mike Berlin, just everybody there. It was just a great, great time and, and of course, you know, whenever you win it's a lot more fun and, and we did a lot of winning there and it was a lot of fun. Yes, with several playoff berths, a championship and international league championship, uh, an overall triple A championship, uh, in Oklahoma City in two thousand nine. But I know you enjoyed more than anything telling people they were going up. You know, that's what I'm most proud of. Not not only telling people that they're going up to because that's their dream, but playing everybody and giving everybody a chance to fulfill their dreams to play in the big leagues. Like nobody went two days without playing. So that was my goal, and I'm proud of that, that I did that, that I gave everybody a chance to play in the big leagues. Were there any call-ups that were more special? And if so, why? I mean, was it the, the guy who got the first call-up? I know you like to have a lot of fun with guys uh, either way, and, and try and make you know help them relax a little bit and enjoy the moment. You know they're all different because I love my kids and they were all pretty cool. But the one, the one that it bothers me a little bit because I wasn't there and he was one of my favorites because he was a good player and, and a good teammate and a good just a good person in general was Stephen Vogt. 
he, I, I got the call from Heim Bloom, our assistant GM, told me there's a chance we, we might call, you know, Steven, you know, today. So, okay, so do I have time to go run? So I went running, and then all of a sudden he called the office, and then uh, I wasn't there, so Dave Myers had to answer the call, and so Dave told Steven that he was going to the biggest, so I missed telling Vody that he was going up, and, yeah, that one I missed. And obviously a pretty good one, and Ray's, of course, playing the A's this weekend, so that makes it a certainly an intriguing story from that regard. What got you into the game to begin with? Obviously, Puerto Rico is such a – baseball is a fabric of the country, but do you remember who excited you about the game initially? Well, of course, you know, being from Puerto Rico, Roberto Clemente, you know, comes to mind. He, he was, you know, he's he's one of our heroes. You know, he did the things right on the field and off the field. I remember Felix Millan. He was a second baseman for the Mets. He was one of one of my favorites. You know, Jose Cruz, you know, for Houston. Uh, but my dad played baseball, so I always liked baseball. And you know, and 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 I remember doing a tryout one time, and the scout uh, told me. Uh, I was 5'8", to say, well, if you get to 5'10", you have a chance. And I go, okay, how am I going to do that? So, <laughs> anyways, uh, long story short, I got to 5'10", and I got a chance to sign. You stretched on a rack somewhere? <laughs> I was playing a lot of basketball. Uh, that probably didn't hurt, too. Again, we're chatting with uh, Charlie Montoyo. And, and your major league career, you had a, a short opportunity with the Montreal Expos. Um, what was that like for you, and what did it mean when you found out as a coach this is your second year that you were going back to the big leagues? You know, it, it meant a lot because as a player, I, I, I made it to the big leagues. Yeah, I can always say I made it to the big leagues. I got my head. I got my baseball at home, you know, and so for some reason, players respect more people that made it all the way to the big leagues and do the grind, you know, to go from every level to the big leagues. So for for whatever reason, that helps a little more when you're coaching and also helps me to know what it's like with the AAA guys when somebody else gets called up and you're not the one. So I always, when somebody gets called up, I talk to the other guy because I knew he was upset, and rightly so because, you know, everybody wants to go there, wants to get to the big leagues. And I want people to be upset because that's your goal. You know, if, if you're happy being in AAA, I don't, I don't want you to play for me. So anyways, I knew all that just because I made it to the big leagues. And then when you got to come back as a coach, what did it mean to you? This is your second year now. Well, what is great about it is, is it was with the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, the team that 20 years ago I started in Princeton, West Virginia, and then uh, I went all the way up. So I was hoping, you know, if I ever get to the big leagues as a coach, it was going to be with the Rays, and here I am in my second year and, and having a lot of fun. 20 years, two decades. I mean, could you have imagined this when you started in Princeton, West Virginia in your coaching career? No, no. I mean, it's been a long road, but again, with the same team, and, and I thank God for the chance they gave me, and, and here we go. How much easier is it to coach third? I mean, you've done it for so many years at the minor league level, but your second year at the major league level to kind of know the personnel. It's one thing to read reports, but to see them in person. Yeah, I mean, you know, our, our players already know from, from they all play from most of those guys play for me and stuff, so I know them. And, and you get to know the ballparks and stuff. You know, first year is a little bit tougher because you don't know how the ball works, how the grass is, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's a thankless job. You know how it is. You know, if 
people score, they're supposed to score, they don't score, it's your fault. But you know that going in, and then that's okay. That's just part of the business. And 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 my main goal is, you know, for us to win games, however it is. And 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 so far we're doing okay. Charlie, one of the interesting things about a third base coach is the relationship he may have with the first base coach. And going back to his playing days, it seems you and Rocco have a, a special relationship. Well, he he played for me. You know, he played for me, and and. And it's not because he's here, but he was one of my favorite players. He's just a good human being. He was a good ball player, and now coaching. Uh, and we're getting the same same time, and he respects what I do, and and uh, I'll give him my my opinions, and he gives me his opinions, and we're on the same page. So you know, we just want guys to score, to score. We want guys to steal bases. We just want to win, you know. And 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 I think we're on the same page, and I'm very happy to have him on the other side. It- were you surprised that he went into coaching? Because when you're managing, there are probably some guys that you look at and say he's got a chance to be a coach or a manager someday. Rock was one of those guys that he, he because the way he is, he could do anything in baseball. He could be in the front office. He he could coach and he could also he could also manage because he's got that thing that he he can relate you know to the players. He can talk to players. He's done it. So he he can he's one of those guys who can do it all. Speaking of relating, uh, Kevin Cash now in his second year, just like you, just like Rocco. I know you spoke very highly of the job he did last year, and obviously I'm sure feel the same way this year. But what has it been like working with Kevin Cash, the race manager? You know, he's just a great human being, and he doesn't, he doesn't think he knows everything, so he's always asking questions. At the end of the day, he, he does the job and he makes the calls because that's his job. But he uses all his coaches, and that's the best credit I can give to a manager that he uses all his resources and at the end of the day he makes the call because that's his job. And the energy that he brings uh, I know has been greatly appreciated uh, around the clubhouse and and look that's probably a lot of what made you a good manager as well. You know one of the best things that he does he communicates whenever he has got a problem with the player or whatever it is he calls them to the office and, and they talk it out and then everything's good and that's what he's been doing for a year and a half and and that's big at this level from the triple a level to this level you have to communicate a lot and he does that as you look forward in this season um what have you liked so far about this group on the field and what can make it a playoff team eventually well right right now as you know uh, we're not hitting as much but i know we will and our pitching is there, so whenever we get those two together, we, we're gonna we're gonna take off. And whenever our hitting and our pitching get together, we're gonna do very well. Well, hopefully that that all comes together very soon. We know for you it comes together in Durham as you go into the International League Hall of Fame this coming week. Charlie Montoyo, thanks for being with us on this week in race baseball. Thank you, Neil. Again, that's the race third base coach. We'll continue with our program right after this. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. Neil Solas with you at the Rays Radio Studio across from Gate 1. One of the best stories for the Rays this past week, Matt Andres, of course, pitched a complete game effort yesterday and a shutout at that. And then last Sunday, he pitched in front of his mom, Lynn, for the first time in a major league game on Mother's Day and then threw seven innings of one-run ball. Why were we in Seattle? I had a chance to chat with him about it and ask him to reflect on it. It meant a lot, honestly, going back home, and I kind of – couldn't have run it any, be- like any better, you know. I didn't make the team out of camp, but uh, you know, I was looking for my opportunities at some point. And uh, what a day to go back home in front of mom, who hasn't seen me pitch yet in the big leagues, and uh, you know, have a good solid outing and get the W. So it was great. What was it like, I guess, to to see them after the game, to see your mom Lynn after the game? Yeah, it was pretty special. They're all they were very happy, and uh, I had a lot of 
friends and family that stayed after, even though, you know, it was a travel day. So uh, we were kind of rushing around to get back on the plane, but uh, I got to say hi to them for about 10 minutes, and it was great just to see the smiles on their face and, you know, how proud they were. So it was, it was pretty, pretty special. High school, college, both? Yeah, it was people from all over, you know, people I grew up with, people that, uh, you know, locally from college, high school. Yeah, it was – I actually have a lot of family in Southern California still, so it was cool. The day after the start, Kevin Cash said, for now, Matt's in our rotation. What does that mean to you to hear that, to know that you've got more opportunities, that this wasn't a one-time thing? It's great. And um, that's what I've been looking forward to is just the opportunity to stay here. And, you know, they gave me pretty good opportunities last year, you know, to kind of kind of show what I had. But, uh, you know, I've learned a lot the last two years, and I think I'm ready for this, you know, the challenge and uh, just go out there and pitch my games and kind of build off of each outing and just excited to see where it takes me. You just said you learned a lot last year. Tell us what you learned and how it's helping you now. Just the way how things are run, you know, um, getting starts and going back and forth in the bullpen when uh, when there's arms that are needed in the bullpen when there's spot starts just all part of the business and uh, it's about it's all about winning so certain guys are uh, better suited for different positions and uh, you know yeah I think I think just learning a lot about my uh, about how my stuff works too and uh, you know it's, it's crazy what one year will do for you Tell me and your, our audience what you mean by that in terms of your stuff. Obviously, you've learned yourself as a pitcher. How have you gotten better on the mound? I think it's just more confidence coming in and uh, pounding the strike zone with all pitches and having just having that uh, belief behind each pitch, knowing that you know we're working with the catcher. Our, our catchers are great. They uh, they understand the plan and uh, just to execute each pitch and uh, knowing that our catchers have our backs and you know Hickey draws up some pretty good uh, scouting reports. So we're all working together, and it's just our job to execute that. I was going to ask you about that. Obviously, without unveiling company secrets, the stuff that the Rays provide you, whether it's Jim Hickey or the front office, in terms of not only the other team but also learning about your own stuff, how much has that helped? Yeah, it helps a lot. Um, also, like, you know, our AAA pitching coach, Kyle Schneider, is very good at that stuff too. So when I was down there in AAA, uh, you know, I worked with him a lot. And it's just, you know, it's understanding your strengths and your weaknesses, you know, and, and understanding who's up to bat and how, how you can get them out. And I think it's just everything works, works together really well with the pitching side. How would you describe yourself as a pitcher and how important for you, being that you got a lot of ground balls the last time, I know that's part of your MO, is controlling the running game? Yeah, you know, uh, ideally you don't want to be walking a guy to lead off the inning, but if if that circumstance comes up, you know, you, I, I know I got some off-speed pitches that I can get ground balls with, but whether it be the changeup or the cutter. But uh, I'm not, I wouldn't really consider myself a, a ground ball pitcher anymore. I don't really throw sinkers anymore. I'm more of like the four-seam fastball, uh, just attack mode. But, uh, I mean, I'll, if I get ground balls, great. But, you know, punch outs aren't bad either. But uh, I just like envision myself as someone who goes deep in the games, you know tries to keep my pitch count down and uh, throw a lot of strikes. And that's something you did, what, two years ago. You threw, what, 173 innings in the minors before you got your big league debut last year. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, I mean, uh, I like to envision myself as uh, kind of like that workhorse guy who can go out there and make every, you know, pitch every fifth day and uh, 
just try and give you know try and give the team a chance to win every time out. And uh, you know I'm gonna work I'm work hard at doing that. And that's Matt Andres, who won on Mother's Day in front of his mom, Lynn, this week in the ballpark he grew up attending in Anaheim. And then, of course, yesterday threw a complete game shutout to follow it up. Before we continue, let us pause for station identification. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. This is Tampa Bay Sports Radio. Hit the wall! Gone! 620 WDAE St. Petersburg and 95.3 FM, home of the Rays. Neil Solans with you on This Week in Race Baseball. Let's turn now to the minor league side. The Rays have three affiliates that have winning records, Double A Montgomery, Low A Bowling Green, and High Charlotte. And joining us now for the first time this season is the manager of the Charlotte Stone Crabs. They won a championship last year. Their skipper is Michael Johns. Michael, thanks very much for joining us. Neil, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. I always enjoy talking to you guys. So hope everything's going good on your end, too. Yeah, you guys have gotten off to a pretty good start this season. How would you kind of sum up the first six weeks well i think we've played really good baseball um i think in in general this league offensively is a little bit down there's a lot of good pitching uh if you look at the the team's batting averages across the league they're pretty low and that's kind of a result of all the arms we're seeing we're seeing some guys with a lot of velocity obviously our guys are are really good as well but i think overall we're, we're playing good baseball we're keeping our head above water uh, you know, it's early in the season, but there's probably been six different teams in first place, and we've certainly been there, and now we're a game and a half out. So I think we're doing well. A lot of guys are having good years. Let's touch on one who already has been promoted to A. He's not on most prospects' lists. Uh, reliever Kyle Bird gave up one run in 18 innings before getting the call to A. Yeah, if, if Kyle Bird's not on our prospect list yet, he, <laughs> he will be soon. Um, he was outstanding. He worked his tail off in the offseason. You know, he was kind of a vanilla left-hander last year with 87-88 with average off-speed, and now he's he's 91-93. You know, he pitches with a very easy delivery, a very repeatable delivery. Uh, his breaking ball has gotten really good. He uh, His breaking ball is so good he buckles right-handers with it, um, which really speaks volumes to it. And then later on uh, – this year he started developing his changeup, and once that came to fruition, that's when he was just—he was really pitching above this league. So I'm glad that we got a chance to move him up. I know Montgomery can use him. I think they used him two days ago. And he went two innings with, I think, no hits and no runs. So yeah, he's one of the guys that our, everyone should be on the lookout for. And you've got several starters who are pitching very well, or had been. Uh, let's start with Brent Honeywell because I know there was some concern when there was report that he was going to miss a start. Yeah, uh, he's actually. He's pitched really well, obviously. He was leading the league in ERA until his last outing. I think he gave up a two-run home run in five or six innings. But either way, that's probably a good outing for most people. But for him, it ballooned the ZRA up. He was pitching under a one and leading the league in whip and strikeouts in just about every category you can imagine until his last outing. But, yeah, he's going to miss his outing today. It's actually today with the scheduled start. He'll miss it. It's nothing serious. It's just a little bit of tenderness on his right arm, and obviously we're going to be careful with all of our pitchers, uh, but especially a guy like him who really stacks up a lot of innings uh, really throughout his career he has. He's been a workhorse. He'll give you six or seven every outing, <laughs> and we're just going to be precautionary with him. Hopefully he will only miss one start, but if we have to back him off another start, we'll do that as well and uh, kind of piecemeal the starting rotation uh, moving forward. Certainly, he got a lot of attention going into the year, and I guess the news good in terms of uh, his future health. 
Uh, a guy who pitched in the Arizona Fall League last year and came back to high A is Hunter Wood, and it looks like he's got probably got the second-best numbers among starters on the staff. Yeah, he's been good. You know, it's, it's funny. He kind of probably just keeps racking up wins and innings and strikeouts. You know, obviously Honeywell gets a lot of attention, and that's great. He deserves it. But Hunter Wood's been equally as impressive. And it seems like he was talking yesterday. It seems like he's got an everyday game for whatever reason. He's going to pitch again tomorrow for our day game. But I don't think he's given up an earned run during the day. His last outing, I think he went seven innings and one hit. Um, and it was a kind of a blue single. But, yeah, he's been good. You know, the thing for him is he, if he's in the strike zone, he's really good. Does same thing last year. He had the same stuff. He just didn't have the uh, he, he didn't have the ability to get in the strike zone as much as he needed to be. And now he's throwing strikes. And if he can do that with his fastball, uh, the way the ball carries, and then his breaking ball, there's not a lot of teams that are going to hit him. One other young guy I wanted to touch on in your rotation is Greg Harris. The Rays got him from the Dodgers in the Joel Peralta deal, and it looks like he's come on a little bit this year. Yeah, he's pitched well. You know, Greg's another guy with really good stuff, uh, really good changeup. That's kind of the first thing that, that jumps out with him. Is he can throw a changeup to right-handers and left-handers. Um, I think right now Greg Harris is one of those guys that either is going to throw six or seven shutout innings or he's going to you know struggle through three or four. Once he can get a little more consistent, I think you're going to see him have even more success. But he's another guy that, you know, last year when he was in the strike zone and he was getting strike one, he was really good. Once he fell behind, he struggled a little bit. But I think he's learning. Um, certainly his maturity, you know, on the on the mound has gotten much better. The body language, everything, he's really competing out there. So that's good to see. But he's certainly on the right track. And, yeah, he's one to look out for for sure. Michael John, Charlotte Stonecrabs manager with us. Uh, the kid who's handling a lot of the catching with this staff is Nick Shufo, and the thing that jumps out to me is he's throwing out more than 70% of runners trying to steal. Has he been that good behind the plate? Yeah, how about that number? That's like a Nintendo number. I mean, <laughs> you know, we thought it was good, and then the other day uh, our catching coordinator happened to be in town, Paul Hoover, who does uh, obviously an outstanding job with these guys. I said, what is his percentage? Because I, I really don't look at numbers much, and – it was something ridiculous, 75% or something. And our other catcher was like 45%. So, yeah, Shuba's been great. You know, not only does he throw out runners, he handles the pitches staff well. He did it while he wasn't swinging the bat early in the year, and now he's swinging the bat, and you can just see that, you know, the energy and, and the way he receives and calls a game, and he's just been outstanding. But, yeah, that number is just its ridiculous, what, what he's done. No one runs off of him anymore. So it's, um, it's, really, it's really cool to see him defend. Certainly helping the staff a great deal. And he was playing in Australia a bit with you last winter. Another guy who was and who's putting up really good numbers, maybe the best among the position players, is Riley Unruh. Yeah, Riley's been awesome. In fact, the last two managers just told they said they just kind of at home plate said, is this guy really that good? Because it seems like the right side, the left side, he's hitting balls the right field, left field. He's hitting a couple home runs. He's been awesome, and I think that's you know that's what we hope when guys go to Australia and get a lot of at bats. When a lot of other guys are just kind of sitting at home, we're hoping that we can see the fruits of their labor, and you never know when that's going to be. And it seems like right now that's you know it's really helped Riley out. Um, he's been really good. He's pitched too tough. He's hitting lead off. He's stealing bases, playing good defense, and obviously his average speaks for itself. He just keeps having quality at bats after quality at bats, and you know we run him out there every night. Um, He's been good. He's been really good. One other kid I want to touch on is uh, Cade Gata. You've had some guys banged up, and he was kind of a, a fourth outfielder, but it looks like he's emerged a little bit. 
Yeah, I'm glad you asked about him. You know, what a good story he is. Um, you know, he's kind of the fourth guy. I don't know a lot about him. haven't seen him play much. And, you know, Justin Williams obviously goes down. So, pig dodge, you get him a bone. He gets his hit. He sits a couple of days. You give him another day. He gets his hit. And then all of a sudden you can't take him out of the lineup. I think he's played 10 or 11 in a row. And he was fourth in the league going in the yesterday and hitting and plays a really good defense and can run and it does a lot of things to help your team win, and it's really neat for us in player development when you got guys that you know you're not necessarily that are going to be penciled in every day, and then you can't take them out of lineup. And I think it's really a credit to our organization, everybody that's had Cade, um, and it's certainly it's why we do what we do. It's it's just a fun, neat story. Good stuff, Michael. We appreciate a few minutes on this week in race baseball, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, Neil. Thanks again. That is Michael Johns, manager of the Charlotte Stone Crabs. They interplay today, twenty and seventeen. Coming up, we'll visit with several x-rays we ran into this week and sit down with Susan Slusser of the San Francisco Chronicle to discuss the A's and the AL West. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solans. This week, the Rays ran into several former teammates, among them Daniel Nava, who spent a brief stretch with the Rays last summer before signing with the Angels. And I asked Daniel about his decision to join the Angels as a free agent. Once I got designated, I became a free agent. So I had three or four teams that I was just trying to narrow it down to, and um, they just made it hard to not come here based off their offer, and also just the playing time situation and the uh, the chance to actually be with a big club was a, a huge factor in, in coming here. And um, so, I mean, anytime a team says, you know, you gotta, um, you're someone that we'd like to help, you know, contribute in the big league level. That's jumps to the top and so that was one of the things that they did that separated themselves from some of the other uh, teams. How about playing in your home state? What does that mean to you? Uh, I mean I'm from about six hours up north and it's probably better that I, I am down in this area because well, you, when you're home at, at some point it just kind of wears on you with everyone um, and the requests and things like that so it's just good to have a little separation but still I mean the California weather is hard to beat and being in this area is something that uh, you know still California still where I'm from. It's been a short period but you're in a lineup that includes Albert Pools. You played in a lineup in Boston for a while that David Ortiz, really two of the best hitters mm-hmm. of the generation. What do you notice that is similar and different about each being around them a little bit? Well, similar, they both study the game a lot. They both look over video and they know what the pitcher has. They, even before they step to the plate, they don't really have to talk to the hitting coach or anything like that because they've done their own research. Uh, not to say that they won't, but obviously they know, you know, before they even step in the box, what the pitcher has and how they're probably going to pitch him. They're smart guys. They've been around, and uh, you're obviously not as ex- successful as they are for as long as they are without you know doing some homework and, and uh, things like that. And obviously, Albert's right-handed. David's left-handed. Uh, swing-wise, they are completely opposite. You know, David's big leg kick, you know, a lot of movement. Albert's real quiet. So from that perspective, they're two uh, opposite guys, but they both uh, you know have done very well for a long time. And what's it been like playing next to Mike Trout right now, maybe the best player in the game? It's a lot of fun because he makes the game fun. I mean, he's out there laughing, he's out there smiling, he's out there having a good time. Um, and also you can just see his God-given gifts that are just completely off the charts. And it's just fun to say, man, I hope he gets hold of this ball. I just want to see how far it's going to go. So um, I've been fortunate to play with next to uh, some really good center fielders, obviously KK in uh, Tampa and Ells in, in uh, Boston and you know, not everyone gets that chance. So I've uh, been fortunate to look to my left or to my right sometimes, and I don't have to worry too much. 
And that's Daniel Nava with the Rays last year, now playing next to one of the best in the game, and Mike Trout. Among the former Rays with AOS leading Seattle is Nathan Carnes. Now, Carnes didn't face the Rays, and he told me he wishes he had the chance to do so. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's something you've always you always talk about amongst your teammates when you're current teammates, and then when you when somehow you guys become separated, you always you know think how you're going to measure up against one another. So it's just something that uh, more bragging rights, more with former teammates than anything. Can you take me back uh, to when you were traded in early November? What your emotions were at the time? Obviously, things have worked out for both clubs so far. Yes, um, you know, like I said, it was like very early in the off season. Um, I actually missed the call. Uh, I was stressing out. I was like, oh, my gosh, I got a phone call from a number I didn't have saved. So I called back and, uh, you know, sitting there, and I, I was notified I was traded. It was just kind of like, uh, you know, just kind of like, uh, here we go again, you know, kind of sort of feeling. But at the same time, it was it was, it was, it was well welcomed. You know, I, this is something I've, I wanted. It was an opportunity to stick in a rotation. Um, you know, I had a great time in Tampa, but, uh, you know, it's business. Life goes on, so you know I still have the pleasure of being in the, in the league and uh, seeing all the former former teammates and staff and beat writers and everything. So it, it, it's just great how the baseball just takes you full circle. Did it make it any easier that you had been through it before, that you knew what this was like, rather than you know you hadn't been traded, you don't know what it's like to go to a new organization? Yeah, I mean I, I think going through anything through through some type of event more than once, you should be feeling a little more comfortable with it. But you know being traded. It's part of the game, but you know the way I look at it is, is that uh, I did what I had to do for Tampa. I gave it all, and uh, you know we just went, we just went in different ways, and that's fine by me. Um, I'm still here, and I'm still able to face uh, you know my former organizations. But you know I, I always cherish my time in Tampa. It was definitely my rookie season, so something I'll never forget. What were your best moments in your mind, and what did you learn? Uh, best moments: um, getting the, my first win in 14 in Toronto, um, be calling up in September. Um, making the roster in 15, and uh, you know, just enjoying my my rookie season with a lot of great teammates. Someone, a lot of great players are in that clubhouse, and a lot of cl- players are still in that clubhouse that are great. So, it's just one of those things that you know, full circle. You look back and you just appreciate everything you learned. Chris Archer said that you either texted him or called him, thanked him for you know, kind of being a great example. What did you learn from him? And now that you're around Felix and Iwakuma, what are you learning from them? You know. With Archer, I just I appreciated his work ethic, his approach. To, he came to work every day, and he came today, I mean, every day with a purpose and a goal. And he kept that throughout the course of the season. It's a long season. It's a grind. And to watch him do it and take it to that next level, and, you know, he was there grinding with everyone else, but he still found, you know, a little extra to go out there and do, and that's, in, that's inspirational. And for me, being a rookie, just showed me that, you know, if I want to be, you know, one of the recognized names in the league, there, there's work that goes behind it. And seeing it firsthand with, with Archer and what his season he did last year, it's truly amazing and something I appreciate. And, you know, it kind of gives me direction on what I want to work on and what I want to obtain. And, and it's just a great role model, and not only on the field but off the field. So it's just more of, you know, being exposed to great people and seeing what it really takes to, you know, get, gain that recognition. How about now, the guys you're with, Felix, who's done it for even a longer period of time, and Iw- Iwakuma, too? You know, it, it, I, I've just, it's a blessing to be exposed to these many great talents across the league. Um, you know, King Felix, you don't get the name King without having a strong reputation. So, you know, speaking on him, you know, he works really hard just like Chris Archer. Um, you know, everyone does it their, in their own way, but Felix is just something that, you know, from the time I, he came in his, to the league till now, he's just been dominating. So it's just to see his approach and, you know, how, how he handles being, you know, at that standard for so long and still able to do it day in and day out, you know, it just shows you that, you know, anyone can do it if you really just put your mind to and dedicate it.
Congratulations. We haven't seen you since you got married. How has married life changed you? It's fantastic. Uh, you know, the wife, you know, it, it's nice coming home to having someone on with you on the road and shares the same journey. And, you know, just, you know, you appreciate the time you have with your family. And, uh, you know, I, I soak up every moment I can with her. And how about the club you're with? I mean, you start this series against the Rays in first place in the American League West. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, we're working hard over here. We're we're coming to work every day and uh you know we're just having a good stretch right now and hopefully it continues for the rest of the season and that's nathan carnes three and one with a 351 era so far this year carnes is in his second full season in the majors joel peralta just completed 10 years of service traded at the end of 2014 from the rays he faced tampa bay for the first time since that deal this past week and joel told me he was anxious to face the rays well, I've been kind of looking forward, you know, that way I can see the guys and say hi to some of the guys, you know, and, and, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to enjoy seeing, you know, my former teammates. What was the best part about your time with Tampa Bay? I mean, you left here with the most appearances of any reliever this organization had had before uh, Jake McGee actually just had passed you by at the end of last year. Yeah, um, I mean, you name it. I had so much fun in Tampa. It's, it's, the, it's my best time in baseball, my career. Spending in Tampa, and, and you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, want to say thanks to to organization for you know stay with me that long and and, and, and keeping me in the team uh, for four years, four seasons, and and you know, what not to say about the Rays? They they're a great organization. I mean, I enjoy my time there. And we haven't seen you because since you were traded to the Dodgers to Andrew's team right after he left. How strange was that, all, all that that happened? Well, you know, it was a little strange. You know, first time I got traded and, and going to L.A., you know, different team, different um, scenario and everything. And, and um, going with Andrew, you know, Andrew and I, we got a great relationship. It was too bad that I got hurt because I was doing, you know, what he asked me to do beginning of the season. I was closing, his, I mean, the closer, and I got some good games for, for the team. But... Um, what's strange, you know, the fact that, you know, I was used to have fun and, and, and be around those guys and then, you know, changing scenario about uh, different different clubhouse in L.A. definitely. Yeah, I was going to ask you what that environment is like because there's a lot of pressure to win there. They have a huge payroll where it's almost like you're the underdog in Tampa Bay. Yeah, but, you know, when I always say when, when you have fun, doesn't matter what the payroll is, when you have a good team because in Tampa we were probably the lowest payroll and we have fun, and we play great, and we made the playoff a couple of times, you know. It doesn't really matter as long as you play hard and, and, and go about your business. How did you end up picking Seattle after you became a free agent? Yeah, well, I got a couple uh, a couple of choices, a couple of teams tried, you know, that um, signed me, and, and one of the reasons Seattle was uh, the chance for me, the, 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 the chance to have the bullpen for me to be able to make this team. And also guys like Cruz Cano, you know, being here fairly that we are, you know, friends. And Cruz and I, we definitely play in, 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 in Dominican for like 10 years, and we are really close. So that was one of, the, one of the main reasons why I came here. And it obviously has worked out. I know they had some injuries in camp, and all of a sudden you make the club and you're doing great. Yeah, you know, trying trying to stay you know healthy and, and, and do my job. You are hitting 10 years of Major League Service time, I understand. What does that mean to you, being the fighter that you are? Well, it's my goal, you know. That's why, actually, one of the reasons why I come back this year was trying to get um, to 10 years, and, and this week I'm going to accomplish that if God allowed me to. Um, it's, 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 I mean, it's the end of the road, I would say. You know, 10 years, I'm 40 years old, and, and try to accomplish that and make that is, is a dream come true for me. When you look back upon what you've gone through to get to this point, I would think someone like you has to appreciate that more than – some guys who maybe got there at 23 or 24 and, and you know, kind of got through their 10 years and were an everyday player. Yeah, I mean, actually I do. I do, you know, appreciate 
uh, um, that accomplishment because, like like you mentioned, a lot of people don't know what I've been through to, to be here, how to find my way through. I've never been given nothing for granted. I've never been given, you know, I've never been a superstar. You know, I had to fight for everything that I got and, and that I have accomplished. So it's, it's like I say, you know, it's a dream come true, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. How much are you enjoying this group because you start this series in first place? Yeah, I enjoy it a lot. I mean, I already said a couple of people that this is the closest um, clubhouse as much for it there been uh, uh, close to Tampa. You know, so much fun in this clubhouse that I compare it to Tampa. Like the, the time that I got there, is kind of similar to what we got here going on right now. With some superstars too. I mean, some Cano, Cruz. I mean, Seager. Yeah, Felix. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, over there we got some 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 superstars too. You know, even if they're not that big payroll guys, but. Um, here, you know, it's a little bit different because the, 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 this thing is paying a lot of money. How much longer do you want to go? Uh, you get to 10 years this week. Are you still having as much fun? I do, I do. I mean, I love baseball, you know. This is my life. The game, you know, that that, that I'm playing. And, and I said if I do good this year and, and our team wants me to play, I'm probably, I probably going to. Well, as long as you want to play, hopefully you get the chance to. It's great to see you. Continued success. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. And that's Joel Peralta, set-up man for the Mariners at the age of 40. Congrats to him on hitting 10 years of service this past week. The Rays wrapping up a stretch of three straight American League West opponents, the Angels, the Mariners, and the A's. And joining me now to discuss this division is probably the best person to do so, Susan Slusser from the San Francisco Chronicle, the beat writer for the A's since 1999, and you also probably have seen her uh, several the past several years on MLB Network. Susan, thanks for a few minutes today. Yeah, my pleasure. Very nice to be here. First of all, let's start with the A's. They start today 15-22. As we near the quarter point of the season, what in your mind is the major story for Oakland and the reason they're in the position they're in right now? Well, you know what? They've they've had a lot of injuries, so that, that kind of makes it hard to handicap everything that's going on. They've got 10 guys on the DL, including some of their regulars. Uh, to me, one of the things that stands out is their bullpen is better. Uh, last year, the bullpen really cost them any chance of uh, even remotely getting in the race. With all those 35 run, one run losses uh, and their defense is a little bit better Marcus Simeon there was so much focus on uh, yeah. the fact that he led the league in errors set an Oakland franchise record for errors last year he, he's much improved they still have some question marks the rotation obviously has underperformed drastically the last three weeks including Sonny Gray uh, I think everyone anticipates Sonny Gray will come out of this. However, I would imagine the A's have uh, two, at least two rotation changes coming up here in the next week, so that bears watching. I don't know what they are. I'm not sure they know what they are right now, and that's kind of typical of maybe a team that might be around 500, right? A couple steps forward, a couple steps backward. Indeed. And you mentioned at the top the 10 players on the DL, including six pitchers. Of the guys they're missing, who do you think they're, that, that are missing because of injury, who are they missing the most? Uh, that's a, you know, Jed Lowry obviously is a regular, probably, you know, their most consistent hitter and a switch hitter. Uh, I, I think on, in the short term, certainly that, that affects them a little bit, but he'll be back when he's eligible to come off on, on May 25th. But losing guys like Chris Bassett and Felix Durant right out of the gate, you know, lo- losing two of the guys in your projected rotation, that hurts. The fact that Jared Parker was not able to come back from the, all his numerous elbow issues that he's had, I think that's, you know, when you talk about the fact that they're having some problems with the rotation, a little bit of instability there, I think you have to look at those guys. 
Again, we're chatting with Susan Slusser of the San Francisco Chronicle on This Week in Race Baseball. And, Susan, you also mentioned Sonny Gray and the troubles he's had, especially the past three starts. Now, the Rays are not immune to this. Chris Archer <laughs> got off to a rough start, especially his first four outings. You know, former Rays pitcher David Price is having a tough go in Boston. So what do you see and what do you think are the issues for Sonny Gray recently? Yeah, you make a good point. I mean, I think there are a lot of uh, frontline starters that, that have struggled this year. Dallas Keuchel, obviously, has gotten off to a mm-hmm. poor start. Uh, Sonny Gray, I, to me, I, he's not he's not hitting the corners, you know. He's throwing strikes. He's not walking a ton of guys. The velocity is, is almost the same of what we're used to. Uh, the spin rate, all the things that you would look at, sort of the extraneous stuff, nothing that would indicate an injury. He says he feels good. That's the main thing. But he's throwing the ball kind of, you know, he's leaving the ball up. He's throwing the ball over the middle of the plate. It's not, you know, for lack of a better term, he's not throwing quality strikes. Uh, And the the breaking ball is not quite as, he's not throwing the slider quite as much. It's a real fill pitch for him, something he only added in the last year or two. He's kind of known for coming up with stuff. And it just doesn't feel right he's not throwing it as much. When you can start eliminating some pitches as a hitter against a guy like Mm -hmm. Sonny Gray and can just look for the fastball, and he's leaving the fastball up and over the plate. I, you know, it's like anybody, he's going to struggle. And it, his ERA is over 12 in his last three starts. He's been working hard, though. Uh, he's a sharp kid. He knows himself as well as any pitcher I think I've ever been around. Everyone assumes he will be okay. The A's just need him to, to switch back into the regular Sunny Gray pretty soon here. Boy, he's had a lot of success against the Rays. In fact, a sub-three ERA and five starts coming into today as the Rays and A's play the rubber game of three. As we look big picture at the AL West, you mentioned Dallas Keuchel and his struggles with Houston. How surprised are you at the start that the Astros have gotten off to after what they did last year making the postseason? Boy, real surprise because you, you look at uh, the roster they have and my, the talent is just off the charts, but, you know, not just the pitching and Keuchel and the, the rest of the guys they have, but, uh, you know, obviously the position players. I think Carlos Correa is going to be a star in the league for a long, long time, and, you know, they've got more coming. This is a, a loaded, loaded Houston team. I, I thought they, they would win the division. I thought they, they might even do so handily, but they've uh, really, you know, it, it happens. Obviously, every team's going to hit a rough patch at some point. It tends to look a little worse when it's early. I would imagine by the end of the season they'll be back into it. They're starting to get themselves into a little bit more of a hole than I think would be ideal. Well, the A's are familiar with coming back from a deficit. In fact, Grant Balfour is here today throwing out a first pitch on a team that eventually won the West and and came back during the course of the season. So start to look at the West for me and handicap it. I mean, most people did not expect Seattle to be at the top. I think probably most thought Houston and Texas might be the top two teams to beat in the division. And I still think they are, um, but Seattle's definitely better than than anyone would have envisioned. I thought that Seattle was going to do this last year, you know, based on on the pitching they have, and it never quite came together, and they really underperformed. Uh, maybe that it just they just needed the year, uh, and you know, obviously they've made some changes, and things are working. But it is a long season, as you mentioned. The A's know that. They not only did they have the 2012 year where they kind of roared down the stretch and won the division on the last day, they also clearly <laughs> remember that 2014 season when they mm-hmm. were up by a mile at the break, made some trades, and then wind up very, just barely squeaking into the playoffs as a wild card team. So. Uh, you know, there's the trade deadline factors, injuries factor. This the the AL West, I think, is going to probably be a close one from top to bottom, uh, m- much of the season. 
And I think you could probably argue the entire American League, aside from Minnesota, which is, I think, a big surprise that their struggles this year, too. You know, Texas is a team that, again, people pick to be at the top. Is is you Darvish's return and how good he's going to be, really, how important is that, to, do you think, in terms of them trying to win the West? Texas is well. They're such a hard team to figure because I, you know, you would have figured, you would have thought maybe they'd be out of it with all the injuries they had last year, uh, including Darvish. But uh, yeah, that's big for them if he comes back and he's effective. Certainly, uh, that that would make a difference. The A's see them here coming up for the first time, which is which is strange. We're uh, more than halfway through May when they'll they'll finally be seeing the Rangers for the first time this season, and uh, that will be an interesting series for for the A's to maybe gauge how they match up against the Rangers and, and what the Rangers are all about. But uh, the A's have, are a team that have had some good success against you, Darvish. I don't think they look at it as, as maybe something that's a game changer for them, but with the rest of the division, it sure could be. And I haven't mentioned the Angels, and you don't want to forget about a team that has the best player in the game, arguably, and Mike Trout. They've had comebacks the last two days. We saw them. Their rotation has been decimated by injury. Do they have a chance in this division still? I don't know. They, they they would really have a a rough go of it with with so many injuries, and uh, you know they they have Mike Trout, but there's just not a lot around him right now. Uh, I I would have to say they're the one team, and uh, maybe throw the A's in there too. That it, it really uh, it's tough to envision them jumping back into this too thoroughly, but you know you never know. Um, you know they they've had some contributors kind of step out of nowhere in years past, and when they've made a run and uh they, i think they they start to get a few guys back here pretty soon so uh yeah it, it could be a tight division but the angels are the one team that really look like they might be in for a long season susan as usual great stuff we certainly appreciate a few minutes on this week in race baseball fantastic thanks neil again that's susan slusser of the san francisco chronicle and we thank her and all of our guests on our program today Matt Andrees, the race third base coach, Charlie Montoyo, the Charlotte Stonecraft skipper, Michael Johns, plus X-Rays Daniel Nava, Nathan Carnes, and Joel Peralta. Then next weekend on our program, we're going to catch up with Alex Cobb on his recovery from Tommy John's surgery. Hey, catch the race when they face the Yankees Sunday, May 29th. Kids 14 and under can play catch with their own Velcro toss and catch set. Presented by Matchup Promotions. Call 888-FAN-RAYS or visit RaysBaseball.com today. Raise up. Special thanks to our producer on today's program, Trey Downey. Of course, if you ever have something you'd like to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me, at Neil Solons. Again, that's all one word. Ray's getting set to take on the A's at Tropicana Field, trying to win this series. With Matt Moore opposite Sonny Gray coming up, it's the pregame show. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to This Week in Ray's Baseball on the Ray's Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Ray's Baseball. Driven in the air to center field, Kiermaier. Going back at the wall, jumps up and makes the catch. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at raisebaseball.com slash radio. Swing a high fly ball to right field. Back to the wall, and it's gone. Home run. Opposite field homer for Logan Forsyth, and we're all tied. Keep it right here. The Rays pregame show is next.